Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast. I am your host back in the basement to talk about some more wrestling. Unfortunately, a couple days later than I usually am to talk about Ring of Honor, but if you listen to our Saturday show, which you should if you don't, um, my family's been in the midst of our first family sickness in, well, since the pandemic started, so pushing two years, I guess now. So it's been a bit rough. My wife and older son have both had two negative COVID tests. My younger one won, but the younger one's nose keeps running. He keeps coughing, so he can't go back to school. My wife can't go back to work, so it's been a bit interesting. I've escaped it somehow. A little bit of a throat tickle, but nothing serious, so hopefully I sound okay for the podcast. But I am back to talk about Ring of Honor, episode 530. Again, one of the final ones before, I think final battle is on December 11th, right? So there's only a couple episodes left. And then Ring of Honor will be on their hiatus for what they're saying is three months. Could be longer, I guess. But uh, And before we started talking about Ring of Honor 530, I did actually pick up a couple minor news items as I was just being my usual wrestling nerd self and reading things from different sites. And I saw a couple things related to Ring of Honor, which I don't see too often, so I thought I would include them here. A couple kind of news items, I guess, rumors, whatever these are. But one was Matt Taven's description of the recent Ring of Honor TV tapings was like, uh, what did he say? Quote, I kept describing to people when the last taping, what the last tapings were like. And I was like, man, I never knew what it would be like to be at my own funeral. But I think I experienced the closest thing to that. Uh, Dalton Castle also thought that the tapings, quote, it all feels meaningless, actually, Castle said. We just did a recording like three days ago, and it was weird because we showed up knowing our jobs are ending. I've got two months left on my contract before I am completely fired. Ring of Honor is giving us all the boot at the end of the year. So that one is especially interesting when you see the results of uh, the main event of this program, which we'll get to, but obviously morale would be Uh, very very low I mean how could it not be these performers this last group of tapings obviously they knew the company's situation and it was basically just running out the clock as I keep saying as they were going to be closed for at least three months and then all talent released they'll come back as basically an independent company so no contracts just working with whatever wrestlers happen to be in that area at that time so I don't know might be a good thing might be a bad thing I guess we'll just have to find out I for one am open to it trying something new at this point and seeing some fresh talent come through but we'll see what it looks like so that was just a couple sort of related items I had picked up in my daily reading so I thought I would include that but that being said I suppose we should move into talking about what we came down here for and that is Ring of Honor episode 530. So Quinn is back at her desk this week and she welcomes us to the show and lets us know right away that there will be again three matches on this episode. We got three last week. We don't always. We usually it's two or three generally so we're getting three. She starts with the main event letting us know that ROH World Television Champion Dragon Lee will be defending his title against Dalton Castle. And before that we'll get a women's division triple threat match between Trish Adora Mandy Leone and Allison Kay with the winner of that going on to face Willow with the winner of that, getting a title shot against Roxy at Final Battle, which is appropriately named, I guess. But first, we're going to get Brian Johnson taking on John Walters in a pure rules match. So on paper, at least, it's not the most star-studded show or lineup I've ever seen, but the main event TV title match should be really good, so I'm, I'm still on board for the show at this point. 
So then John Walters is making his entrance for the Pure Division opener we're going to get here, and it cuts to a pre-recorded promo from him. He says that when um, Brian Johnson started in Ring of Honor, Walters had already been there for three years, and at one point he had won the Pure Division title. He's not here to live in the past. He wants to win the Pure title again, and he's not going to let Johnson and his big mouth get in the way of earning gold. Uh, very straightforward forward promo it's pretty common in ring of honor i don't think that john walter's delivery was very good um to me he sounded like a guy reciting lines and not so much like a guy that believed kind of what he was saying and that it was natural and i guess maybe that's why he doesn't get many opportunities to cut promos because i don't i mean he's kind of used sparingly in ring as well but i don't know if i've heard him speak before or not so i, I wasn't impressed we'll say that it was pretty standard promo so Brian Johnson makes his entrance with a microphone in hand as he is generally just cutting blistering scathing promos on his way to the ring. So he's doing that here. It works a lot better when there's a crowd with him for him to sort of interact with, but that is not the case in Ring of Honor still. So he's just screaming as he come down talking about having said a lot of disrespectful things about John Walters and that after he whoops his ass, he'll say some more disrespectful things because Walters represents the problem with this company. He goes on, he talks about this being, um, he's from Philadelphia where this location's taking place, so he's a hometown boy, and he is getting ready to rewrite history, and then he does his spelling out Mecca thing, and I think it was the pure division is Mecca. So, not my favorite Brian Johnson, but he's still a pretty engaging guy to listen to. Just the rage he that comes through with him, he seems just constantly annoyed and angry and it, it really works for me so this wasn't as focused as, as some of his rants were but it was still an entertaining little entrance for brian johnson so the match starts between john walters and brian johnson they lock up then there's a waist lock by walters and a reversal by johnson johnson takes walters to the mat with a headlock takeover and then Walters starts to work johnson's arm he goes up top with a um, with a knuckle lock on, but Johnson ends up hitting the Spike Eskin cutter, which is like his opponent has his feet up on the top turnbuckles and he hits a cutter. Looks pretty cool. We get a vertical suplex by Johnson um, for a two count as commentary. Talk about all the matches that Johnson's been working lately, putting him over as this workhorse who basically is taking any match he can get at any time sort of thing. We get a, a kind of a modified Cobra clutch with like sort of trapped a little bit hard to explain but Walters fights out of it just to take a running knee from Johnson who then starts yelling at the camera as we head into a commercial break back from that break there's a body slam elbow drops and a fist drop um, by Johnson so you get one closed fist in pure matches so Brian Johnson just openly used his right in front of the referee just taking whatever's available to him which I like we get the Mecca locomotive for a two count Johnson places Walters on the top, looks for a superplex, but Walters shoves him to the mat before hitting a leg drop to Johnson's arm out of a, a knuckle lock as well. We get a Northern Lights with the arm trapped and a bridge for two by Walters. Uh, the Uma Plata applied by Walters, and Johnson uses his first rope break of the match. Um, and then he Johnson a little bit later rolls up Walters and grabs the tights, but the referee notices and stops the count. We get a sharpshooter applied by Walters. Johnson then uses his second rope break. Walters again goes for a sharpshooter, but it's right by, doesn't quite even get it turned over, I don't think, this time, and Johnson has to use his final rope break. So the referee is sort of leaning through the ropes to communicate this to the timekeeper that Johnson has no more rope breaks. Johnson takes that opportunity to poke Walters in the eye, and then he kicks the knee of Walters, and that sort of, he sends, it was interesting, he sort of kicks out Walters' knee, and as Walters falls down, he hits his head on Johnson's knee in the process. 
So I don't know if that was intentional or if it was accidental, but it kind of worked out really well. So commentary already talking about they think Walters has already been knocked out. But Johnson, being the heel he is, picks out, picks up basically the unconscious guy and hits his trust the process finisher. Hits it anyways, despite the guy basically being knocked out and picks out the pinfall. Sorry, picks up the pinfall victory. Johnson, not quite mockingly, but he goes over to shake hands as you're supposed to in Ring of Honor. And he just doesn't even wait for Walters to get off the mat. He shakes Walters' hands as Walters is still lying on the map. Um, so my thoughts, I thought this was a pretty good match. Walters is not used very often, and when he is, he's not generally going to win the match, so you kind of knew the result of this one coming in. Brian Johnson is a great heel. I'm a big fan of him, but I have to say he's kind of spinning his wheels in ROH for me. He's sort of established this spot that he's in, and he's never seeming to get elevated. He's just month after month kind of in the same circles at the same spot, not really a contender for anything, but also winning some matches, so... I wish there was some movement. It doesn't look like there's going to be time for him at this point with the company almost done. Um, but I really like him. It's just he's kind of stuck in a rut, I guess, a little bit at this point in ROH's history. But a, a solid match and a decent start to the show this week. We then get to the triple threat match in the ROH women's division. And that's Allison Kay taking on Mandy Leone and Trish Adora. Again, the winner of this will face Willow. And the winner of that will get a title shot against Roxy at Final Battle. And as ROH is wont to do most of the time, we have a guest commentator for this match, and it is Chelsea Green. So she's kind of all over the place. I see her on Impact when I'm reviewing that, and she's on ROH as well. So um, I didn't pick out anything specific she said on commentary. I don't find many of the guest commentators are very noticeable. She would be included. And I don't think she's bad. I just I don't think anything stands out either. So Allison K makes her entrance with Marty Bell, and they, they actually are the NWA Women's Tag Team Champions, so they come out with those belts with them. Mandy Leone then makes her entrance. She has Angelina Love with her, and Trish Adora makes her entrance last, and she is all alone. So the match starts, and right away Mandy Leone escapes to the floor uh, just to let the other two women to battle so she can escape. And uh, just solid heel work. I'm going to talk about it again in this match, but Mandy Leone brings a really like veteran professional heel persona to this match which I thought was quite helpful so we get holds encounters by Kay and Adora for quite a while as Mandy's just on the outside talking to Angelina Love a little bit later we get a Samoan drop by Allison Kay Mandy comes into the ring at that point to break up the pin and then try to pick the bones of the the wrestlers who have already taken some damage the other two then briefly join forces and double clothesline Leon who quickly rolls back out to the floor to escape this so then, as Trish is sort of turned to watch Leon escape, Allison K goes for a roll-up, so their alliance did not last very long. It's only for a two-count, though. We get a hip toss by Adora and a belly-to-back suplex with a bridge, and Mandy comes back in again to break up the pinfall. We get a corner clothesline to both of the opponents by Mandy Leon, and she shoves Trish Adora, who basically spears K heading into a commercial break. Coming back, we get a drop toehold into an ankle lock by Adora to Leon, and then K joins in from the other side and applies a butterfly Kimura, which I didn't know that's what it was called, thanks to, I think it was Rick Abani who told me that. And then, so Mandy Leone is in a submission on her legs from one opponent and her arms from the other. And then Kay and Adora sort of break into an exchange of strikes and release their holds on Leone to sort of get, stand up and continue the strike exchange. We get a neck breaker by Allison Kay to Trish Adora and she places Adora on the top rope. 
Kay is looking for what I would say was a superplex. Mandy Leone sneaks in, obviously underneath for the classic Tower of Doom spot, covers each woman um, sort of consecutively, but can't get a three count on either of them. Mandy then suplexes Adora onto Allison Kay, and that ends up sending Trish Adora out to the floor. Kay kicks Leone in the midsection, and as the referee is for some reason mysteriously checking on Adora on the outside, Angelina Love takes that opportunity to come in the ring and attack Allison Kay from behind. So then Marty Bell gets up on the apron, obviously, to defend, but Mandy Leone hits her with the forearm and sends her back down to the floor. So Leone then hits her astral projection finisher to Allison Kay, and coincidentally enough, the ref turns around just in time to count that pinfall, and Mandy Leone wins. Mandy Leone and Angelina Love celebrate as Chelsea Green is talking about being tired of the antics of these two women. So my thoughts, I thought this was a solid match that started out slowly. Probably too many holds and counters for my taste between um, Allison Kay and Trisha Dora, but then it sort of picked up. And honestly, Mandy Leone really exemplifies the work smarter, not harder motto in this match, and I thought she played the heel role perfectly, waiting outside of the ring, coming in only to break up pinfalls or to attack an already weakened opponent. Just really solid heel work. And I think in a company like Ring of Honor where very few people get the time, I say it every week, very few people get the time to establish their characters on this show. So Mandy Leone and Angelina Love, I'm not even sure I'm a huge fan of them in the ring, especially Leone. I don't think she's bad, but I don't think she's a standout. But what they do is such an excellent job of presenting themselves as just classic heels, right? They're doing what Toxic Attraction is trying to do, I feel like, on NXT, but these veterans just sort of pull it off better for me. And the thing is, they can do it within the confines of a match, so they don't necessarily get promo time or package videos and vignettes, but they still come across as really polished heels, even within the structure of a match. So I really think that they did a great job here, especially Mandy Leon, obviously she's the one in the match. And I th- this match wasn't too long, it was fairly quick, and it told a decent story. So the finish kind of had a lot of moving parts for me, with uh, various partners getting involved in sort of a, a cheating finish, which I think is totally fine for Mandy Leone, makes sense with her character, it didn't bother me at all, but a few too many moving parts at the end maybe, but I thought it was a pretty solid match. We then get to hear Dalton Castle speak ahead of his main event uh, for the TV title tonight. He says he's basically shivering with excitement. He hopes that Dragon Lee feels the same. At the top of his list of things to do is get in the ring and make magic with Lee. And he hopes Lee is ready to do what Castle wants to do, and that's to bring some style and panache to the TV division. He's been climbing mountains all over the planet to get ready for this match. He and Lee are works of art, and they can put on a show of a lifetime. He wants Dragon Lee to breathe his dragon breath on him and give him everything he's got, but he better make it quick because Castle is very busy. So I really like Dalton Castle's quirky promo style, especially in a company full of very straightforward um, character work. So, and he's kind of staying true. His most recent character has been this whole entertainment almost over even wins. It's like you need to do it bigger and you need to make it grand and it needs to be super entertaining, right? Despite there being no crowd, which kind of hurts that whole idea a little bit, but that's beside the point, I guess. And he's also doing this, he's so busy. He's got a million things on the go, so it's always very busy character as well. He seemed less concerned with winning the title than putting on an entertaining match, which again is kind of what he's been talking about. And they're definitely, ROH, give him more time with his promos. He gets, it feels longer than the standard little pre-match promo. 
it probably because he does stronger character work than almost the entire roster, right? So a fairly generic promo, like he's not saying anything earth shattering here, but his just his style and his kind of quirkiness makes it interesting for me at least. So I like this. Then we move to the match, and it is ROH Television Championship match. Dragon Lee is defending, taking on Dalton Castle. So Castle makes his entrance with the baby chickens, which if you don't watch, are grown men in masks and silk boxers and white t-shirts, I guess. A group of men that accompany Dalton Castle. And also Dak Draper, who is a protege of Castle's as well, is on the commentary team for this match. Again, I didn't. I don't think I picked up anything specific that... Um, that Draper said, but he is a, he is pretty good talker. Anyways, the match starts. We get an immediate ankle pick by Castle, showing off his amateur background. But Dragon Lee quickly counters. Castle escapes to the floor momentarily. We get some mat wrestling with holds and counters. Once Castle does return to the ring, Castle catches Lee, goes for his bangarang finisher earlier, but Lee holds on to the ropes because Castle got a bit too close, and Dragon Lee's able to escape. Castle again escapes to the floor. Lee fakes a dive to one side and then does the the pose that he and his brother Roosh do in the ring instead. Lee then does hit a suicide dive to the other side really, really fast. Really looked like he drove himself and Castle into the barricade. And then he rolls Dalton Castle back into the ring. He hits a falcon arrow to Castle for a two count. And then Dragon Lee drapes Castle over the top rope. But Castle avoids the double stomp that's coming from Dragon Lee, and he flattens Lee with a clothesline and two standing splashes. Dragon Lee gets run into the barricade a little bit later, I think it was two times, and then sent back into the ring so Castle can apply the body lock, which is his one signature move I don't really enjoy. Um, I don't know, it's just kind of like a, a lengthy rest hold, I guess. But Dragon Lee finally gets to the ropes as we head to our final commercial break. German suplex by Castle and a boot to the neck. Quick overhead throw by Castle, followed by Lee's, does his standard. He's got this kind of signature flurry he does in the corner with lots of quick kicks, ending in what they call a pendulum kick as he swings over the ropes and kicks the guy. And then we get the Dragon's Breath hesitation drop kick by Lee for a two count. Back elbow and a big clothesline by Castle turns Lee inside out. Castle goes back to his body lock. So then both men end up outside again. Castle misses a clothesline and Lee sets up for a dive. But the baby chickens do their job beautifully, step in front to protect Dalton Castle from the dive. So Lee has to change his plan and he dives onto the group of baby chickens instead. But that allows Castle to roll Lee into the ring and hit a suplex. But Lee kind of uh, almost no-sells it. He pops up really quickly, hits a German suplex, followed by a clothesline for two. Lee calls for his incineration kick. But instead, he gets run over by a nasty Dalton Castle clothesline. We get a strike exchange and a rising knee from Dragon Lee. Lee sets up again for the incineration kick. I think he even pulled the knee pad down. But Castle catches him and hits the bangarang. So LFI, obviously, those that cheating faction, they run down and are trying to make the save for Dragon Lee. But Shane Taylor promotions. First, it's Moses and Khan, and then Taylor. And I forget the name of the fourth guy. I apologize. But anyways, they all end up there to run interference and stop LFI from getting involved in the match. So as the groups are brawling out on the floor, Dragon Lee counters another bangarang attempt into a pinfall, but the ref is out on the floor dealing with all of the brawling. Then Lee hits a high knee, but Draper gets up on the apron, shoves Dragon Lee into Dalton Castle, who picks him up and hits another bangarang, and kind of like the women's match, the ref is now conveniently placed in the right position, and he does call for the pinfall, sorry, makes the count, I guess would be more accurate, and Dalton Castle does win this match and becomes the new Ring of Honor television champion. 
kind of feels, I don't know if it's they're giving him some sort of like lifetime achievement award by giving him a, a title on the way out or something. Because I think Castle's been there a very long time and uh, done a lot of things for them. So maybe it was a little bit of, of them thanking him because he's not going to be a champion for very long. Um, and he's the one saying his contract's definitely done and he sounds disappointed. So I don't know if they can expect him back even as an independent. But anyways, about this match, I thought it was a good match. Kind of a bit of a convoluted finish. Again, uh, uh, as I like to describe these moving parts, right? So many moving parts. You've got one faction coming down, another faction coming down, a guy coming down by from commentary, the referee's getting distracted, the referee missing a pinfall, the referee showing up just in time for the pinfall. So a lot of stuff going on at the end. Uh, didn't take away too much, but not exactly my favorite type of finish. I, don't, I didn't think Dragon Lee quite showcased his lightning quick offense as much as he does sometimes. He did have a stretch there where he, he did do a, a lot, but Dragon Lee's one of my favorite wrestlers in Ring of Honor, and I don't feel like he showcased everything here. Um, this match really seemed to feature Dalton Castle, but still a really good main event. Like I think this was a good match. I have no issues with it. I personally was a little bit surprised to see a title change on ROH TV, but uh, Castle could make an interesting champion. Um, he's one of the few ROH competitors that has a clearly defined character, right? Which I do like about him. But again, I think um, there's only a few weeks until final battle. And then after that, who knows what's going to happen. So uh, anyways, he'll get a little bit of a run with this championship. I don't think it's a bad decision. I, I was a little bit surprised if I'm being honest, but I have no problem with it. And I guess the busy finish also furthers the issues. It kind of gets Dragon Lee away from that championship so he can, in theory, focus with his faction and take on um, Shane Taylor promotions. I imagine that'll be a feud going forward and probably uh, it would be some sort of multi-man match on hard to hard to kill, sorry, final battle, I would imagine, so that Dragon Lee can go and get involved with that and not be taking the TV title with him, I guess. So I thought the show was over at that point, but the show ends with a video package from one of my favorites, just kidding, not at all, EC3. Um, so EC3 talks about leaders and leaders failing us, including the leaders in the locker room. And then he specifically turns his attention to Jay Lethal. He talks about Lethal being tired and about Lethal freeing himself if he would fight EC3. EC3 tells Lethal that he has been warned. And then the show basically comes to a close after that. So I have been... It's tough. I have a complicated relationship with EC3. His most recent incarnations I absolutely have detested when he just tries to be as cryptic as possible like Bray Wyatt and use lots of fancy words and everything but not ever say anything. So I like this promo better than that because he was a little less cryptic and a little more focused here on Jay Lethal. So his meaning was a little more evident, which is nice. A vast improvement from the whole honorable thing he's been doing. Um, he's still doing the control the narrative stuff, which I don't even think he really understands what he's talking about. But anyways, I thought this one was at least better than some of his previous work. And I do like EC3. I think he is the right type of wrestler for Ring of Honor or Impact, that level of show. He just needs to figure out a character that works and that he can actually make sense with because I think he is a good talent. I just don't like the choices he's been making in the last couple of years, I guess. Um, and I guess this seems like how they're going to write Jay Lethal off of Ring of Honor, right? Because he's already on AEW. He already had a really good match, actually, for the, um, what is it there, the... TNT title. He wrestled Sammy Guevara in a really good match. So Lethal is gone. So I guess this would be the way they're going to sort of write him off, it looks like. 
So my overall thoughts on this episode of Ring of Honor, I thought it was pretty solid episode. Uh, in ring, I enjoyed each match. Nothing was bad. The opener was predictable, predictable, but I thought it was a solid match. I liked the women's triple threat, especially the role of Mandy Leone in that as just some really solid heel work to just add a little bit of something to what otherwise would probably be a pretty bland um, three-way match. And the main event was a really good match with a somewhat surprising title change. So I don't have any complaints. There was nothing like I I would say you have to go out and see one of these matches. That would put it into the A range for me. But I thought it was a good match. There was nothing bad. My time wasn't wasted. And I, that's been a bit of a concern knowing that they're kind of entering the final stretch of the company, at least for uh, three months they're claiming. So I thought this show earned a B this week. Good for sure, but not great. And I think there'll only be two more episodes of Ring of Honor before Final Battle. So I guess I may as well finish up and cover those last couple as well. Then their hiatus can begin. But anyways, that's going to bring me to the end of talking about Ring of Honor episode 530 with you. If you've stuck with me for this long, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. If you'd like to give any feedback or talk about wrestling at all, um, you can contact myself at fnswrestling at gmail.com. My teenage son, who I do the Saturday main show with, he runs our Instagram, which is FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast. Or if you're one of the few that listens on YouTube, you can just leave a comment there. I get back to, I think so far I've gotten back to everybody that's ever made a comment on any platform. So I'd love to hear from anyone. And what else do we have on the go? We did not get around to doing our Survivor Series review, so we may tack a little bit of a turbo review onto our Saturday show unless I can get Jack back down here tonight or tomorrow. So I apologize for that, but I mean, our thoughts are coming up. It was not a very enjoyable show, so we weren't in a major hurry to talk about it. But you can look for that on episode 71 that's coming up on Saturday, where we'll cover NXT, AEW Dynamite, Impact Wrestling, some trivia, some talk about wrestling figures, some news and rumors, and then whatever else sort of comes up. And yes, I think that's the next time you'll probably see hear from us is on Saturday. So we hope to hear you, see you, I don't know. See you all then, I guess. I don't know what I'm saying. It's late. I need to go get another coffee. I'm wrapping this up. So we'll see you on Saturday. And until then, take care.